Half of us are in the apple, half of us are in the pie. All of us are in the pudding when the last bus has gone by. Someone has to take the high road, someone has to make the bed. No one has the right to tell you to lie down when all is said. The black and white, the stereotype, the polarizing picture play. While some of us sit in between interminable shades of grey. We'll meet along the time, we'll set out on that great divide. The balance scales may tremble, but the fellow weights are on our side. Carrying the celestine, right or left, no in between. Make it plain to gasoline The populist with dark appeal The pandering to hate Which xenophobic scaremongers Deliver on a plate To tame the pangs of hunger And satisfy the lust Slave to ideology Moderation bites the dust Be buzzing in your bonnet And a wasp right up the bum a V8 under hood, a cocked hammer under thumb. Here splitting Twitter thunder and a screaming bed she wailed. You got too many opinions and a tomcat by the tail. Carrying the Senate gene, right or left, no in between. Beware, beware the Senate gene, make it flame near gasoline. Half of us are in the apple, half of us are in the pie. All of us are in the pudding when the last bus has gone by. Someone has to take the high road, someone has to make the bed. No one has the right to tell you to lie down when all is said. The black and white, the stereotype, the polarizing picture play. While some of us sit in between interminable shades of grey. But the featherweights are on the side Carrying the salad sheen Right or left, no in between Beware, beware the salad sheen Make it flame their gasoline Welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and that was Jeffrey Tull and the Zealot Gene. And it's because I've got Ian Anderson here today to talk about that album and much more. Welcome, Ian. Hello there. Hi. 
it's just been a matter of days since the new video for the the Zealot Gene, the title track, has been released, and that seems to capture the polarised nature of politics and society today. Is that what you were aiming for, I guess? Yes, it was. And um, bearing in mind this was written in 2017, it obviously is not uh, a reflection exactly of uh, today's up-to-date news world. It is um, it is really a reflection in broad terms, and particularly the influence uh, which has continued to grow, the influence of social media in helping to fuel the degree to which democratic free speech turns into insult, humiliation, bullying, mm. and uh, and just being deeply unpleasant. It's a it's not good for the human soul to to have that addiction to being uh, as vile as people seem to want. Not obviously not not that many people, but some people want to pursue that course. I think we saw it some years ago in the advent of the internet and chat rooms and fan-based websites where people would ritually gather to insult past band members or each other, which is why I, I removed all the kind of uh, social yeah. intercourse from the Jethro Tull website long, long ago, because I was just tired of the the way in which it was being abused by a few people who just seemed to think it was an opportunity to to be um, insulting. I mean, not to me. It doesn't bother me. It's just I get upset when it's other other people in the band or or, or people just being insulting to each other. But I think it's just indicative of the way that, um, as I say, you know, it's a narrow line between democratic free speech mm. and actually being incredibly bloody rude. And um, in that in that context, all you can ever do is really turn away from it and, and ignore it. And that's what um, it's easy enough for me to do that. But particularly for a lot of young school children, they're introduced to Facebook and, and other social media, which it's very hard to ignore because they're so desperate for peer group approval that they do tend to um, unfortunately be badly affected by the abusive nature of a lot of online posts. And then when you throw Donald Trump into the mix, of course, you see the, the full weight of, um, of the awfulness of the divisive nature of, of uh, social media on a much broader societal level. And I think that is um, basically, in simplistic and moderately amusing terms, that's what I'm applying in the lyrics of the title track, The Zealot Gene. But, you know, it's not a, it's not a university uh, PhD thesis on... Um, <laughs> You know, on the on the ales of modern times, it's just a it's just a it's just a pop rock song. Mm. And uh, one of the other advanced lead tracks is "Sad City Sisters," and and that seems to take things in a, a bit more of a, a young young women getting drunk in the city centre. I think I've read. Well, I'm young people, but I mean specifically, I'm yeah. I'm I'm speaking as a as a father of a, a daughter who was once young and a father of a, a grandfather of a granddaughter who's not quite of that age yet, but um, within a year or two, doubtless will be. And, um, you know, of course, we have a concern about the, the safety and welfare when people who set out to have a good time but obey that rather odd ritual of Friday and Saturday nights of wandering around in the freezing cold and incredibly skimpy clothes with a view to presumably appearing attractive to the opposite sex, where in reality, in many cases, it, they're absolutely not. They go, they go alone to 
dance clubs and they return, hopefully, alone um, because they conspicuously fail to be attractive. So they go that much further in, in, uh, in terms of exposing a little more leg and a little bit of um, cleavage in order to, to try to, to follow those conventions that they've grown up to believe are those that apply in terms of being attractive. But of course, you know, most of them get home safely. They may not remember very much about what they did the night before, but they, they get home safely. But as we all know, there are many who don't. Um, who are tragically uh, affected by it, and um, um, even to the extent of loss of life, they don't make it home from the from the disco. I think that's something that I've I've always found a bit emotionally disheartening to to see when I've been on UK tours, particularly and walking back from some concert back to my hotel, and and then walking past those. Um, those places where people are gathering, waiting to go in, but it's it's, it's been a bit. You see, I'm I'm a I'm a professional party pooper. I was born that way. I think the when I was about five or six years old, mm. I remember being sent to the party of a little boy who lived next door, and I lasted for about ten minutes. I didn't know anybody. I I didn't. I just felt I hated the crowds of people and the children screaming and shouting and playing with things, and mm. and I I knew I would get into trouble if I went back home. And so I climbed over the wall into my garden and hid among some rose bushes for a couple of hours until it was safe to to go back in, pretending that I'd been to the party. I did the similar stunt, actually, when I was sent to Sunday school. I climbed a tree outside the church and hid in the tree for two hours because I was so terrified of the Sunday school lessons and the, less, the words and the notions and and the things that were being imparted to me about this very scary God and how he would be, he would punish us all if we, if we did anything wrong, like hiding in road bush, rose bushes or up trees. So I was, um, I got off to an uneasy start with organized religion as well as um, party going. So I'm, I'm an old fuddy duddy who has a, <laughs> perhaps an irritating uh, avuncular approach to these things. So you should just ignore everything I say. Stand shoes and hand cold curve to freeze on. What desperation, what souls possessed with lonely demons are put to test. Why should we worry? Why should we care that warrior horsemen shame defile them? Why tip the cabbie plus his fare? So send them home to stumble in and toss their knickers in the bin. Repentance blooms and melts away, mocked by dark unearthly silence. Replaced by incubus at play. Bad sisters stare graffiti walls. Stare in return when weekend calls. The empty bragging, the empty lies. In anguish echoed to empty malls What desperation, what souls possessed With lonely demons are put to test 
Why should we worry? Why should we care? That warrior horseman shamed to father The six-gun notches said seems to reflect a, a range of human emotions but you know you mentioned the old testament there and you sometimes use that the bible as a starting point as a an anthology of stories well it wasn't a starting point it was a reference point my starting point was writing down a list of right. of words that described extreme human emotions a starting point for the album was just that notion what what shall i write about and i thought how about writing a bunch of songs and each one is focusing on a a different, a separate, strong human emotion. So I made a list of words. And then on a whim, I thought, wow, I remember reading all those words in the Bible. So I, I did a, a search, an internet search of those uh, examples of those words in the in the Bible and, and copied and pasted a few lines of text just as a reference point. But, mm. you know, most of the songs started off by having a, a relevance in the present age. It's just that I was able in many cases, to find examples of uh, biblical text that had a parallel. So I could, you know, I could use metaphor, analogy, simile, the tools of the writer's trade and apply them in a in a way that for me was satisfying because it means the album kind of joins together. It has a mm. it has a relevance that might not be the case if I just focused on a bunch of different songs and and there was no clear-cut relationship between them. And it's not that I'm a a person who can only think in terms of grand concept albums, but mm. even with a bunch of four-minute songs, it's nice if you can give them a sense of belonging to each other. They're part of that same musical family in a same period of time, because all these songs are written in the course of just over a month in in January of 2017. And yeah. by the end of February, I sent demos to all the band and all the lyrics and uh, the whole uh, the whole instruction manual of what it was they had to 
prepare in in readiness for five days of rehearsal and and uh, four days of recording uh, in March. And I'm I'm right back to that place right now. I'm I'm exactly the same place. I'm now whatever it is, fourteen days is it? Um, yeah, forty two weeks into into the uh, next album project for release in the end of March two thousand and twenty three. You know, I'm, I'm engaged in that writing process again, and I have to start off with an idea that everything I write it has some kind of a relationship to the pieces of music and lyrics around it. And, um, you know, I've completed the first draft of all the lyrics. Yeah. I've written all the main, actually, no, not all. I've written 10 out of 12 of the, the main musical themes. And from here on in, a couple of hours a day, I try and flesh that out and turn it into... Um, enough content that I can make some little simple demos for the band and and we'll take it from there. Since we have no idea currently whether we're going to be, mm. I mean, I'm supposed to be, I, I should have only just come back uh, at the beginning of this week. I should have just returned from a tour of Finland, which got postponed for the now for the fourth time. I'm supposed to be going the week after next to Sweden, which has already been postponed into April and May, mm. actually into May. And then I'm supposed to be going to Italy, and right before I I uh, hooked up with a Zoom call, I was re- responding to our Italian promoter with some s- suggestions that he'd made about modifications to the tour dates in Italy, assuming that the rules don't change from what they are right now. But um, given that most of Western Europe is about three or four weeks behind the UK, um, I think the that Omicron cases are going to be continuing to rise for a while before they might begin to, if we believe our daily figures here, since I think much far fewer people are being tested than before Christmas, but um, it would appear that Omicron is on the wane, but far from, far from that place where people will be less likely to be hospitalized and less likely to die because there are so many unvaccinated people in the UK in other countries, it's horrendous. I mean, in yeah. Ukraine, I'm supposed to go to Ukraine in, in uh, middle of April, no, in the first week of April. I mean, they have something like 28% of their population vaccinated, and Omicron hasn't hit there yet. You know, what's that going to be like in the weeks to come? It, it'll be, mm. It will be overwhelming for them. Same thing in Hungary and in the Czech Republic, where I was in uh, November, I performed in those two countries. And but uh, in those countries, there's not been enough people coming and going really to have uh, imported enough of Omicron for it to have seemingly really affected them. But, you know, in countries where the vaccination rate is very poor, then, you know, I have to be very dubious that we're going to be able to go to those countries because I think they'll find themselves in the situation of having to do make some return to the kind of lockdowns and restricted operation of venues, concert halls, theatres, etc., but we'll see. You know, it's, um, I'm trying to be optimistic about it. Nothing. It's not the game's not over till it's over. So I, I'm still um, still looking at the flight schedules for flying into uh, Malpensa Airport in in uh, less than what three, just over three weeks from now. If I'm going to do those Italian dates. So it's um, you know you've got to try and keep positive. But it's it's uh, it's it's tough going at the moment again for the third year running. Not yet, 
a degree of activity in relation to historical things uh, around Jeffra Tull. There was the uh, Ballad of Jeffra Tull book, and there was also, um, I think, 2017, the uh, String Quartet album. That was really interesting in that um, new or alternate takes on classic Tull tracks like uh, in, in the past worked really well. Does that mean that doing that means that now you can kind of focus forward, do you think? Well, there were a few things that I, in the last few years, that I thought i should do one was an official biography of Jethro Tull and uh, with a, a book publishing company and uh, the, who engaged the services of a, a professional writer, a music business writer of some repute, 
to uh, actually author it, the book of complete Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull lyrics mm. spanning, well, all the way up to date in terms of the zealot gene, which I included at the last minute. That was another project I had in mind to, to do at some point. The String Quartet album was another of those. Plus, of course, the um, the work that goes in, which is considerable on all of the uh, the box set reissues and remixes and remasterings that go on with um, the catalogue product, which in, in this day and age with the demand for vinyl and more comprehensive editions of these commemorative anniversary albums, that's been another of those ongoing side projects which which I'm not exactly the 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 um, I'm certainly not the the person the prime mover I mean the prime mover is a guy called Tim Chaxfield at Warner Music who used to be with EMI and is um, a veteran of the music industry and uh, and uh, someone who places keen value on the assembling of really good quality product for not just for Jethro Tull but other artists too record companies wouldn't waste their time on that 20 years ago now they realize there is a small but finite profit in in doing a really quality job when it comes to doing collections and box sets. And um, record companies really need that tangible profit because the world has changed uh, so much in the last 20 years. And with the move to digital, the mass digital used to be downloading. Now it's just streaming, which is even less productive in terms of income to both the record companies and to yeah. the artists. So... You know, if you can if you can if you can manage to pay the the electricity and the cleaning ladies' bill by releasing high quality box sets, well, you're going to do it. Whereas perhaps they didn't need to worry about that twenty or thirty years ago. You know, everybody's a winner in that sense. The the public and the record buying fans they get to get some really good product, and and perhaps as what we try to do is to make sure they have a variety of formats in which they can buy it so they can get the cheap and cheerful or they can buy the big deluxe box set and and in the case of the zealot gene another another couple of intermediary points in between so um i think i think it's a, it's a better and healthier world if you're a music fan now than it was a while back but it means a lot more work and for you know a lot more work for not you know for arguably much less overall income yeah. from records but that's uh Everybody had it so good back in the 60s and 70s, even into the 80s. So record companies had a, a big chance to to make a whole lot of money. And now there's only three majors left, and um, they tend to control, not control in a, in a bad way, but they just just pragmatically, they, they, they have so much clout in the marketplace when it comes to distribution and marketing and, and getting vinyl records pressed, for example, because they have such a... Uh, an authority and a weight of artists, and they can they can block book time in the very few pressing plants left in the world, and and um, which is what they have to do in order to try and get product out into the marketplace. As it was, we delivered uh, to a record company in June of last year the, the the finished album, all the artwork, and everything. And the um, the earliest date we could get as a a release date was the end of January due to the time it takes to get records pressed.
Do you think that one of the things that's helped sustain Jeff Ruttall and, and yourself creatively is that even in those early days, when you uh, look at tracks like uh, Jeffrey Goes to Leicester Square, it was a melting pot of influences. Nothing was necessarily off the table. Yeah, I always had an interest in uh, in other kinds of music, apart from, uh, I suppose, the blues and jazz that I was exposed to as a child and as a teenager. You know, there were elements of folk music and and I was interested when I started hearing music from other cultures, other parts of the world, ethnic music of one sort or another. And by the time the Stand Up album came along, I was able to further that interest by writing some original music, which was quite varied in terms of its um, um, eclectic set of influences. And I think really d- during then and the, and the next three or four years, I think I had enough musical influences to last me a lifetime, which is when mm. I stopped, not stopped completely, but I hardly ever listened to music after that as a... As a music fan, I, I've never really been someone who spends recreational time listening to music. I, I would rather read a book or watch a late night talk show or a, or read the newspapers. Humour has been an important element at times, represented in Thick as a Brick, for example. Unlike other artists, you've been representing different different ideas um, lyrically as well as musically. Well, I try to, um, I try to, I don't try, actually have to try very hard. Yeah. It just turns out that way. But I, I, I do, um, I do prefer pursuing subject material and expressing in a way that that perhaps other people don't so i'm i'm usually looking for a little 
a little more um, depth in musical and lyrical subject matter to start with in terms of beginning a writing event, a song, a piece of music, whatever it might be, but also in terms of broadening the vocabulary of pop and rock lyrics, because it is actually really usually very limited. You know, it's not, there's not many words uh, employed and they tend to be on very similar subjects because yeah. the vast majority of pop and rock songs are, it's me, me, me. And it's, it's, you know, relationships with people and romantic relationships, either they, um, they go well, they go badly or not at all. And that's what people tend to sing about, and they have done since the beginning of time. And the, you know, many of the great songwriters of, of my era, you know, have been far superior in output to anything I could do. I've always felt, well, I've got to do what's left. You know, I've got to find uh, things that other people aren't writing about, or if they write about them, I've got to find a different way to write about them. So I, I employ perhaps slightly bigger vocabulary, and I try and. I try and join the dots a little bit more in terms of um, English grammar and expression. So it's um, it makes it fun for me. It might not make it fun for the listener because maybe it's just a little bit too complicated or a bit too weighty. But, you know, dirty work, but somebody's got to do it. I volunteered. Yay! Thank you very much and welcome. Well, good evening, good evening. Welcome to New York. That's a silly thing to say, I suppose you live here anyway, but never mind. Gonna start with one that you may well know. Cast your minds back, if you will, to 1972 or thereabouts and spot the tune. Really don't mind if you sit this one out My words but a whisper, your deafness ain't shouting I may make you feel, but I can't make you think Your sperm's in the gutter, your love's in the sink Saw your eyes, your sails open the fields And you make all your animal deals And your wise men don't know how it feels Yes, to be thick as a brick And the sandcastle virtues are all swept away hey. In the tidal destruction, the moral melee The elastic retreat brings a close of play hey. As the last wave uncovers the newfangled way But you need shoes and warm water to eat
so far away I'm about to ring that I just Shake your hand, yes. He said it's a shame.
Are you riding yourselves over the fields? And you make all your animals And the wise men don't know how it feels. Yes, all oh, to be thick as a. Maybe that's the theme that links, or the thread that links the zealot gene and, and to music across your career. Tracks like skating away, covering the environment. You're there capturing the news, all the ideas of the day, and, and actually much of it is still relevant now. Well, there is, yes, I, I think, um, you know, my first climate change song was in 1973 that I wrote it. It was released in 74, but it, Skating Away was back at a time when we, popular science, thought we were headed towards global cooling under the Ice Age. That opinion was reversed a few years later when ice core samples began to reveal the opposite to be the likely progression and um, other, you know, interest in the environment generally is, is, it goes back quite a long way in my life for sure, but it's not with prescience and incredible uh, ability to gaze into a crystal ball. It all seems fairly painfully obvious at the time. Same thing with issues of globalization and population growth and things that were behind the song Locomotive Breath in 1971 that, you know, those are things that, it's still around today, issues to do with organized religion and uh, and um, the brainwashing of children in, uh, in stereotypical ways from media and comic papers that was the focus of Thick as a Brick. Yeah. You know, these are things that are still around today. Aqualung, the homeless person, you know, our streets are still filled with homeless people, albeit the demographic is different and the reasons for homelessness are, are somewhat more complex. But nonetheless, as a phenomenon, it's it's still around, and so I, 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 I yes, I think I think there is a relevance to to the music, um, or at least to the lyrical part of it, and the musical style has turned out to be, in some ways, more timeless than we might have feared. Um, it still seems mm. to capture the imagination and. Uh, huge host of young people are discovering Led Zeppelin for the first time or Jimi Hendrix or Cream or whatever it might be. And they're getting a chance to listen to something that isn't just a historical little explanation of how we got to where we are now. It's in its own right got to be really, really stimulating and, and invigorating for people to hear that music that was sometimes a little brash and and amateurish and but it, it had energy and excitement in the same way as yeah. a few years later, the, the early so-called punk groups of the UK did. Um, so I, I, you know, I, th- I think, I think that in their turn, the Sex Pistols will be rediscovered by another generation. who will go, wow, this was brilliant. You know, enough of those old fogies. Yes. And <laughs> Genesis that I was listening to when I was 11. Now I'm listening. Now, now I'm 13 and I'm hearing Johnny Rotten, yeah. who of course was a, a big fan of Aqualung. So he told me. Thanks very much for your time. It's much appreciated. And I wish you all the best with the Zealot Gene. It's a, it's, it's another great Tull album. So thank you. No, thank you very much for the compliment and uh, hope everybody in your life stays safe and well through the whatever remains of the COVID um, uh, interruption. 
<laughs> and if you're my age, that interruption is most unwelcome because time is of the essence. It is running out. So I'm, I'm kind of anxious to get back and do things while I still happily can. Anyway, good to talk to you. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew Podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.